It is good to be here. It's always good to be at Olivet. It's always good to, to fill in for Dave. You've got one of the greatest pastors in the Evansville area. And uh, I just feel honored to be asked uh, to, to stand in for him. Uh, there's two things that are for sure today. Um, the first one is I won't be as good as Dave. And the second thing is, I won't be as long as Dave. Do I get an amen? You guys are already texting uh, your family saying, hey, lunch will be early. This guy promised he's going to let me out by 1.30. Amen. Amen. We, we preached earlier this morning over at Epworth United Methodist Church. And uh, we come running in the door right in time uh, to do it again, to do it again. If you want to turn with me in your Bibles, I'm going to be in Luke chapter 2. I think you guys have probably spent a couple weeks there, uh, the Christmas story and the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But this morning, I want to go to Luke chapter 2. Starting with verse 25. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required. Simeon took him in his arms and praised God saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. This morning we look at Simeon and what a promise that the Holy Spirit gave him that he will not die until he sees the Messiah. And I got to thinking about that in our day and age and what we're living in. <clears throat> I believe that the Lord is coming back. And I believe that I'm young enough that I will probably see the Lord coming back. What a day that will be when we start losing gravitation and we start going up. And sometimes we lose sight of that, that homecoming. I work with a couple of older gentlemen that, um, that are very good Christians and, and to encourage one another, especially in the mornings, we'll walk by and we'll say, he's coming soon. He's coming soon. You know how Monday mornings are where you can't get enough coffee? But what best way to set that Monday morning right is 
when you get your heart back, you get your heart and your mind back in the right thinking, he's coming soon. And then we'll say, it could be today. It changes your whole perspective when you realize that our Lord and Savior could step out on a cloud, the trumpet could blow, and we're out of here. Amen. That's not my message. But that's what I thought about when I read this. He was promised he would not die until he seen the Messiah. How cool. How cool. If we go back, if we go back to verse 22, we got, we got to set the groundwork for what was going on here. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord. A pair of doves or two young pigeons. This, this is a young congregation, so you'll remember this. Mary and Joseph was doing what the Old Covenant and the Old Testament told them to do, and that's to present their son to the Lord. I remember when we had our twin boys, they're 24 now, I remember 24 years ago, Christy and I walked up that aisle in that church and we stood at the altar and the pastor prayed a prayer of dedication over them. Now, I know we get the family gathered around, we get the cameras, and we got the phones out so we can take pictures, and it's such a, a great time to baptize our, our babies and dedicate our babies to the Lord. But what that really means is, when you walk up and, and you present your child to the Lord, and I, I, I don't want to leave out... Our, our 18-year-old daughter, she is beautiful. She is a sweetheart. And none of you guys are dating her, okay? <laughs> I know you, some of you guys. But I remember dedicating her to the Lord. And I remember that it's more than just that celebration and that family gets together and we all go out to eat afterwards and but what it really means and what Mary and Joseph was really doing here. And they're saying, God, we realize he's a gift from you. We realize he's yours. And we're going to give him back to you. By saying that, you're saying, I give up my hopes and dreams for my children. I'm giving them to you, God. May your plan be their life. I remember when the boys were younger and Christy and I would be playing with them and we'd say, okay, which one is going to be the lawyer and which one's going to be the doctor? We had their life planned. Matter of fact, I told my daughter I'll pick her husband for her. The least I can do. 
But when you dedicate that child to the Lord, you're saying, my hopes, my thoughts, my plans, my ambitions for that child is done. I give it to you, Lord. You have your way. You have your will. That means if they go to a third world country to be missionaries, as hard as that would be to watch them leave, you've got to know they're in God's will. Now something here, the word present, Mary and Joseph presented Jesus to God is the same present that was in Romans 12.1 where Paul was speaking and he says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. That same present is the present that Mary and Joseph did with Jesus to God. And it's the same present that Paul was telling the Romans that we should do. We should present ourselves as living sacrifices. Catch that. Remember back in the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, when you presented an offering, you usually killed the ram or a goat or a lamb and you killed it and it was a one-time thing. But Paul said here, present yourself as a living sacrifice. So that means it's a daily thing. It keeps on going. As I was studying for this and I was reading some commentary, I read a sentence that, that made a whole lot of sense. There's believers, there's Christians, there's people sitting in this room that love God, believe in Jesus, but they've never surrendered to the point to say, I present myself, God, as a living sacrifice. As a living sacrifice. Do with me what you will. My hopes and my dreams are done. My ambitions, I don't care. I want your perfect will. I want you to use me. I want to be your hands. I want to be your feet. I want to do what you want me to do. Oh, it's so glamorous. That's so cool. That's so awesome. I sold my company two years ago. I was really important at one time. I had 20 employees that counted on me. I had customers that counted on me. I had family that counted on me. Two years ago, I told God, I said, it's all behind me. I want to be used of you, whatever you want. Your plan is what I want. Two years later, last night I was talking to Christy. And these words came out of my mouth.
at Christmas. Not important anymore. Nobody needs me anymore. I had a company that needed me. I had children that needed me. But now they're grown and on their own. I resigned the church six months ago. And I got honest with myself. And I told my wife, I'm not important to anybody anymore. When you decide to give up all your ambitions and all your plans and all your dreams and you want to focus in on God's perfect will, it's not always a bowl of cherries. But you have to stay the course. And I had to run back to God and say, God, forgive me. It's not about me. It's about you. I want to be that sacrifice so you can use me for your glory. When we present ourselves as a living sacrifice, oh man, I got all kinds of time. When we when we present ourselves as a living sacrifice, I'm one of them guys that think I, I always do the why? Why do I need to do this? I've got a post-it note in my Bible that I wrote at the beginning of last year, or the beginning of 2014. It says, I want to know Christ more. I want to know Christ more. I present myself as a living sacrifice because I want to know Christ more. And then more of the why. Why do I need to be a living sacrifice? You watch the I Am Second video. There's people around you that need to see Jesus. We need to present, we need to re-present Jesus to this community. Thank you for your statistic, 18%. Go to church. Sometimes we get confused on what kindness is, what charity is, and what ministry is. Kindness, gentlemen, is when you hold the door open for the lady. That's kindness. And that's what you should do. I'm preaching to myself because Christy's sitting there going, I don't think you've ever opened the door for me. So... That's kindness. Charity is when you're in the McDonald's drive-thru and you pay for the car behind you when you pay for their meal. That's charity. Don't get confused. But ministry, ministry is when you give them Jesus and you give them hope and you give them life. We get so isolated that we, our circle of friends are in the same educated Bracket, the same income bracket. Everything is the same. It's just different color cars and different color shutters on the house. 
But if you go out in the real world and you start listening, I got a young guy at work with me now. He's about 25 years old, and I walked in one day, and I could see stress on his head. I mean, it was like the word stress was wrote across his forehead. And I said, Michael, what in the world is wrong? And he said, well, Jim, he said, my girlfriend's baby daddy just got out of prison, and he's at the house right now with my girlfriend, and I'm kind of worried. I said, should you go home? No, I'm okay. I used to use the term baby daddy as a joke, as a punchline. In their life, it's it's everyday normal person. The next day I walked in, I said, how's things going in in the household? And he says, well, her first baby daddy is better than her second baby daddy because he's crazy and we won't let him know where we live because we're scared he'll come and do something. And I'm sitting there going, i got to get out of the house more. Because I didn't realize this was really going on. Where there's so much confusion in these young people's lives, there's so much turmoil, there's so much pressure and stress. Drugs is a normal thing. It's not that big of a deal. It's okay to be in the safe house. It's just a part of life. You know, I just got grounded for six months is the way they look at it. A month ago, a lady that works with us, her 25-year-old son committed suicide, overdosed. His birthday was Christmas Day. She struggled. Christmas Day, supposed to be that, that day of opening presents and cameras taking pictures of kids opening stuff. And her only child committed suicide and left this world. And she sits by a Christmas tree remembering his birthday. The saddest part of the whole story is she's blaming God for letting this happen. I'm telling you, church, we don't realize, we don't understand, we don't comprehend what those outside of these walls go through every day. They walk around with failure. They walk around with pressure. They walk around with just so much turmoil in their life. And they think it's normal. The the enemy has blinded them to the point where they think it's normal. It's not normal. It's not what God intended for them. God intended to have a relationship with them just like he intended to have a relationship with you and me. That's his heartbeat. Is to have a relationship with us, with his sons and daughters. And I know some of us are sitting here today said, they made their bed, let them sleep in it. They made bad choices. They made bad decisions. That's what they get. You reap what you sow. Church, 
I'm calling out to you. They don't know any different. They don't know Jesus. They don't know there's a better life. They don't know there's somewhere to go. They think it's the norm. We have to present Jesus to our world. I've been to Myanmar. What a trip that was. What an eye-opening experience that was. I've been in the States on a mission trip. But Tom can probably vouch one of the hardest mission fields is in your own backyard. Because it gets a little too personal. You know the person. As we realize this is our mission field and we realize there's real hurts and there's real pain and there's real problems, you're not going to go in there and you're not going to give them a Bible. That lady that her son committed suicide, if I would go in there and start giving scriptures, oh, that would burn her to death. But as we build friendships... And we build relationships. Then you can slowly present Jesus. We need to represent Jesus. Mary and Joseph presented Jesus to God. We need to present ourselves to God. And then we need to present Jesus to our community, to our world. Because I've debated with men before, and I love when they say, but they know better. They got themselves in that situation, but they knew better. And my argument is, no, they don't. No, they don't. A lot of us sitting in this room could probably tell the story how mom drug us to church when we were younger. They don't do that no more. The parents don't go to church, so they're not dragging their kids to church. When Christy and I was the head of children's ministry at a church, we had to figure out which Sunday this was because it depended on which set of kids were with the other parent. So we had to say, okay, this is the Sunday where there's going to be 60 kids, and then the next Sunday there'd only be 40 kids because of the blended families and the split families and the children going from one family to the other. It's not the same anymore, guys. This thing's totally different. But we have to represent Jesus to a lost and dying, and I'm not going to say world, I'm going to say it in Evansville, Indiana, a fan of Bird County. Jesus, when he hung on the cross and he was ready to take his last breath, he gave himself to his heavenly Father. He presented himself to his heavenly Father. Mary and Joseph presenting to God. He presented himself to God. 
we need to present ourselves to God. We say, God, I'm a living sacrifice. Whatever you need, whatever you want, whatever you want me to do, I'll do. Can you get there today? Can you get there today? I know eight out of ten of you are saying, I can't wait till Dave gets back. I don't blame you. I don't blame you. But I do know that I am second video hit me right between the eyes. When we're at work and the co-workers have all that turmoil, we start falling into that pattern. This is normal. But it's not normal. We've got to pull ourselves back and say, God, help me show them normal. Help me show them the right way. Help me show them the life that is joyful. Not what their experience. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you this morning for your word and I thank you for the truth of your word. And Lord, this morning I ask that you help us represent Jesus. We're not presenting a church or a denomination or an organization, but we are representing, we are representing Jesus Christ your son that came and died for us, that we might have life and life more abundant. Lord, this morning I pray that you have been seen and glorified and heard. Lord, thank you for giving us, giving us the ears to hear what the Spirit is saying. And may now it get to our hearts that we can be your hands extended and we can reach out to this community with your love. Lord, be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen.